As you move into your older and wiser years, you may have questions about your finances, your health, or what to do for fun besides watching young people try to figure life out. Oh, man, this guy's a moron! The next hour is dedicated to you. Only the good die young. This is 50 Plus. Because women never age and old school will always be cool. Fifty plus. Brought to you by the UT Health Consortium on Aging. Informed decisions for a healthier, happier life. Here's Doug Pike. All right. Welcome again. Welcome one and all to Fifty Plus, the talk show for seniors and the current number of cry closets in American universities. I've got a great show lined up for you. I know I do. I'm very happy and confident with this one. Solid mix of informative, educational, and entertaining. You'll see. And in case you found the show accidentally at 11 this morning on KTRH, you didn't sleep five hours later than usual. No need to panic. For a while, and hopefully for a long while, 50 Plus is going to air at 11 Sunday mornings on KPRC and KTRH. And then it launches again in its traditional spot on KTRH, which is 4 o'clock Sunday afternoons. Maybe you're hearing it there. That's three shots you've got to hear this show. Uh, Technically two, I guess, since the morning pair air simultaneously. Two station simulcasts usually reserved for important things like Astros and Rockets games around here. I'm feeling pretty good about running in that sort of company. So, So listen when you can. And on whichever station's coming in clearest on a Sunday for you. I want to stop at a uh, few seconds for a brief silence to honor everyone who died on September 11, 2001. I saw a poll at MSN.com this week that asked whether people remembered where they were when this horrific act of terrorism happened. Didn't remember or just couldn't remember. I was quite pleased, too. To, to see that after I'd cast my vote, they, they show the results. And a solid 99% of us, 99% remembered where we were that day. And I'm going to hope and guess that the remaining 1% either were too young or too old now to remember. I'm not pleased, however, to think about how many people have abandoned the unity that that, in, that event inspired uh, and, and that we kind of allowed our nation to become so divided. Shame on us. Nothing's free, by the way, and that starts with freedom. This country was built and maintained by some of the most courageous men and women on the planet. I know that because in a military appreciation feature that I do every week, thank you, Federal Maintenance Services, for sponsoring it, uh, in what I call This Week in U.S. Military History, I highlight a few historic events from the week and then name three recipients of this nation's Medal of Honor. And before I select one of those names, I read the story of how they earned that medal. And those stories are of unfathomable bravery, courage, the likes of which you'd be hard-pressed to find anywhere outside of our military. Young people have always been different than old people. That it, it is what it is. Every generation of kids uh, thinks it's smarter than its parents, and they probably are. Frankly, they learn more. And all those parents can't believe their kids are so different. It's been the case forever. What's different now, though, is that young people seem far less mentally strong to me, far less willing, I'd bet, to put on a uniform and fight for this country. They don't mind fighting each other in cartoon games on the Internet, uh, but nobody 
get so much as a, a scraped knee from playing a video game. Guys who won those medals of honor jumped on grenades to save their buddies. They charged up hills with bullets flying all around them to take out enemy machine guns. That sort of stuff in real life, in real time. And they did it knowing that it wasn't going to end well for themselves. And they did it in defense of freedom. And I greatly respect their sacrifices. So, on the information side today, we're going to talk in a few minutes about self-improvement with an expert in the field, Dr. B, they call him, Dr. Suvrat Bargave. We'll talk to him in a little bit about uh, self-improvement. And honestly, who among us looks in the mirror every morning and says, I can't get any better than that again. I don't. I've got self-improvement I could do. I'm sure of that. In the second segment, we'll have a good conversation with a nurse, Nurse Jenny, uh, about in-home care. That's her, her name is uh, Jenny Prospery. In-home care and how staying in our homes can be good for our health. I'll make sure we cover how to find the right in-home caregiver, too. Surely those folks are regulated somehow. I don't know. I don't know. Wouldn't want just anybody having access to a barely mobile seniors stuff, though. And finally, we'll have a talk, a little bit of a talk about cholesterol with a guy who deals with high cholesterol and whose name you would never associate with it unless you actually knew he dealt with it. You might uh, recognize him more from America's Got Talent, Deal or No Deal. Yes. Howie Mandel joins me in the final segment today, and this one should be good. So, as is customary, I'll toss in a, a little piece of humor. This one I heard actually after a round of golf on Monday. Bunch of guys sitting around the clubhouse after golf. One of them looks up from his soup. You know, I got an, an either-or thing for you guys, an A or B scenario deal, and I want all of you to answer honestly. So his buddies nodded, and they kind of leaned in and listened. So, A, you can either live out the rest of your life 24-7, 365 with your wife, and they all have B, 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 B. Yeah, for the wives who are listening, by the way, just replace all those man references with women and vice versa. The women will laugh just as loudly when it's, they who are yelling B after learning that option A means running out the clock with their husbands. Howie Mandel, this is going to be a fun hour. Did you know Howie Mandel auditioned, he said correctly, for St. Elsewhere? He thought it was a sitcom, really. More 50 plus coming up. Stick around. Life improved with age. Pour yourself another glass of 50-plus with Doug Pike. Welcome back to 50-plus. Thank you for listening. Certainly do appreciate it. What is going on with this phone? My phone is just buzzing like crazy, but there's absolutely nothing going on with it. And I can't, yeah, I'm going to turn it off. I don't know what's going on there. I just don't even want to, don't even want to deal with that. September is National Self-Improvement Month. I'm sure along with many other official designations, but even without looking, 
Self-improvement certainly would have to be one of the bigger ones on that list. Most of us never stop trying to better ourselves, even into seniority, although we uh, may need to make some concessions, I guess, in regard to keeping those goals realistic. I still love golf, still wish I could hit consistent 300-yard drives, but I'm going to have to settle as I continue to play for hitting more fairways instead. Swinging hard only means I hit the ball farther out of bounds. It happens. So to find better ways to better ourselves, a more realistic path, I will welcome Dr. Suvrat Bhargave right here, more uh, better known as Dr. B, they tell me, author of A Moment of Insight, Universal Lessons from a Psychiatrist's Couch. Welcome aboard, sir. Thank you, Doug. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, I completely agree. We every so often have to adjust, but we should all keep wanting to improve. I'm, I'm never going to quit. I'm, I was born and raised. Well, I was born competitive. My my dad wasn't that way. My mom either. But for some reason, I've just I've got that competitive genie. Man, I'm no quitter. <laughs> not not a lot of not a lot of people in this audience have kids going back to grade school this time of year. But it wouldn't hurt any of us to to work on some self improvement. What's the difference between a a plan that's almost certain to fail and one that's got a good shot at success. Yeah, and, and you know, I appreciate you're saying that about about kids. Most yeah. of us don't have young kids anymore. But but I will say this: I think September is a time where we naturally, because we've gone through that as children, we think of it as a fresh start, right? right? I mean, we think of it as you know, new new attitude, new plan, and so forth, and so on. But I think it's a good way to kind of spark uh, a way of of having some evolution. I, the limitations, I think, to, to why most people don't follow through, I, I think a lot of times people don't know where to begin. To me, that's one of the mm-hmm. biggest places where people fall through is they don't know where to begin. Transformation is such a big word, and so they get overwhelmed by it, and they don't begin. Uh, when they do decide they're going to begin, it's hard for them to oftentimes come up with a plan uh, as to what does that look like. And then even when they do come up with a plan, sometimes the hardest part is maintaining the momentum, right? How to not get discouraged, how to not give up because the plan didn't work out as, as well as you thought it might, or just to kind of keep yourself going and coaching yourself. So I think the reason why most people don't follow through with some of their good intentions are those three things, not knowing where to begin, not having a plan as to what to do next, and then not knowing how to maintain it. You're just checking all the boxes, aren't you, really? Let, let's talk about achievable goals, too, for a minute. It sort of goes back to that question about how to eat an elephant one by a time. If your goal is to lose 100 pounds in a year, there are probably 100 excuses to give up on that goal and 100 ways to derail the plan. But, so it's better to set out to lose maybe, what, a, a few pounds the first month and then go from there? I think that you hit it on the head in, in one aspect, right? I mean, if you look at the big picture too much, it, it, it looks like it, it's not achievable. If you find the one place to begin, if you find yourself, you know, your first next step, if you will, then that gives you a place to start. So, yeah, it depends on, on what your goal, your overall goal is. But let's say that um, it is to get healthier. Then my suggestion to people is find one way to change a behavior and find one way to change the way of, of thinking. So, for example, uh, if you're talking about how to think, where to start it with your thinking. If you're talking about physical well-being, um, do you want to eat better? Is that the thing that you want to start thinking about? Um, do you want to be more active? Do you just need to get a physical? Maybe that's what you need to do, right? And so break it down. Really break it down in terms of um, the the overall goal becoming something that's a first step that you can actually start doing today. And a small, and if it's, a small if it's first about, step too, right? Absolutely a small yeah, first step. Sure. So if it's about your diet, then don't say I'm going to give up carbs. Uh, that that might be a little bit too much and it may be more than you need to do anyway. Start with I'm going to have a fruit with one meal every day. Yeah, Maybe that's where you start. 
right? That's and doable. so, and, and, and this is and this is not about dumbing it down. This is about achievement. Success is, is a momentum; it builds on itself, and you really want to set yourself up to succeed so that you'll you can then add on the next thing. Doctor B, so, yeah, Doctor Doctor Suvart Bhargavi, Doctor B, with us on here on fifty plus this morning. There's a guy in the office at our staff meeting this past Tuesday, talked about the way he gets himself motivated on a day-to-day basis, and it's by making himself do the toughest thing on the plate that day first so he gets that out of the way, and everything else in the day suddenly looks a lot easier. That's not a bad, mm-hmm. that's not a bad day-to-day plan, really, is it? No, it really is not. Yeah. And, and, and again, to me, when you come up with a plan, it's all about knowing yourself. So for yeah. some people, they know that that pat on the back, that's, that was the biggest thing on their checklist is the way to keep it going. For other people, they have to start with having had a, a successful moment before they can tackle something really, really big. That's a good so, point. Mm-hmm. You know, for the, yeah, so for the person who needs to have the moment in order to, to build the momentum, maybe you start with making your bet. Maybe that's the one thing that you pat yourself on the back for and say, if I do nothing else today, I've already done that. Right. So, so you just have to kind of know yourself which way you need to go. Uh, are you the person that once you've crossed the big hump, you're, you're now it's all downhill and you're good to go. Are you the person that needs to kind of build that momentum to even tackle that big thing? Baby steps, Doc. Baby steps. I, I like the way I you talk so. about September, too, making the changes in, te- in September. Instead of on January 1st when everybody and their brother's in the gym for a month and making resolutions they'll never keep, this this – yeah. At the at the beginning of fall, we're going to call it. Well, not down here in Houston. I don't know. You're where over in Atlanta, I think. I'm guessing by the area <laughs> code. You know about humidity and heat until the middle of October too, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. It sure doesn't feel like fall right now. They can oh, they gosh. can talk all they want about pumpkin spice. It doesn't feel like pumpkin spice right <laughs> pumpkin now. Pumpkin spice my yeah, foot. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pumpkin steam coming off the sidewalk. Gosh. That's right. Uh, That's right. But I do think September is a good time. And yeah, again, I like I mean, it. To me, we're we're kind of ingrained into thinking again about it as a fresh start, coming up with you know, when we were kids it was about new supplies and a new plan and a yeah. new attitude. Well, it's really no different at this point in our lives. And just like you said, Doug, I think January 1st is daunting. Mm-hmm. Everyone's talking about resolutions. They're, and, oh, and they boy. may be talking about resolutions that aren't the resolutions that you need to be doing anyway, right? So That's a good point, there's yeah. That. And, then, and then the other way I think about September is if we can get something started now, by the time the first of the year rolls around and everyone is talking about it, hopefully you've already seen success. It's a habit so by then, isn't you, it? Yeah. There you go. So mm-hmm. for you, it's just a continuation of what you already started months ago. Every doctor I talk to for this program, every one of you, MD, PhD, veterinarian, mm-hmm. all of you tell me that exercise is critical to good physical health. Beyond that, though, talk about how exercise, just at least a little bit, can help our emotional health and well-being, too. Well, I, I love that topic for sure, because as a psychiatrist, I mean, you're right. As soon as I say exercise, the MD behind my name, everyone sort of rolls their eyes. But here's the thing. We know that exercise, and in particular, certain kinds of exercises are good for your emotional well-being. For example, if you struggle with anxiety, if you worry uh, more often than you should, if you have uh, intense level of angst or fear or, or, or doubt, then I'm going to tell you the kind of exercise that's going to help anxiety is something that gets your heart rate going. You want to have an, a practice in your life that kind of gets your heart rate going, whether that is swimming, whether that is taking a brisk walk, whatever works for you. But but that's the kind of exercise that for anxiety, it's it's like telling your body and showing your your yourself, 
that when your heart rate goes up, it's not just because there's something to worry about or, oh, no, here we go again. You want to show it that it's a healthy state to have your heart rate go up. And, and that's one of the reasons. And then when you do get your heart rate up, you're releasing all kinds of chemicals in your brain, which are also helping to deter against anxiety. So it is really, really important for your emotional well-being for you to be able to incorporate certain types of exercise into your regimen. And it doesn't have to be an hour every day. It really doesn't. It, mm-hmm. it, it's just a matter of, of having something that keeps you active so that your your mind and your body sort of fall into place. Well, again, we have to have that starting point, too. My wife had some orthopedic issues a while back. Her back had been messed up. And she was worried about being able to walk again. She used to walk two, three miles a day with some friends of hers. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, she couldn't do that. And I said, Look, just walk to the end of the driveway and back. Let's start there. Yeah. Rather than yeah. not do anything. And now she's she's back out there walking again, and it, it's been very helpful. What do you think about writing down those goals and putting them on the refrigerator, or putting them somewhere where we'll, where we'll see them? I, I think it's really important to have intention be something that's kind of out there. So it's not enough right. to in your head say this is what I want to do. Write it down because, you know, we are more influenced by the things that are in our environment than we even realize. And so when you write something down and, and you see it more regularly, it's, it sort of seeps its way into your, your state and, and yeah. your state of thinking and your state of being. So, uh, and, and for many people, you know, it also depends on when you write something down, what's the tone of what you wrote down? Mm-hmm. Are, are you going to be hard on yourself or are you going to try to inspire yourself? Find the words that work for you so that you're not like pointing a finger at yourself and saying, you need to do this, you need to do this. Instead, let it be a reminder of if you do this, what's on the other side? So write it down in a way that that is purposeful. We've got just a couple of seconds left for you to tell me if somebody makes a great plan, misses the mark, how do you reset the clock without throwing in the towel? Well, the very first thing you do is you give yourself the leeway to say that it's par for the course to have a setback. So it's not a judgment that you took on more than you should. Learn from it, make the adjustment, and give yourself credit for what you did do as well. There you go. Dr. Suvrat Bhargavi, thank you very much. His book, A Moment of Insight, Universal Lessons from a Psychiatrist's Couch, available wherever fine books are sold. Thank you very much, doctor. Thank you so much for having me, Doug. My pleasure. All right, stick around. We're going to talk to Nurse Jenny right after this. Aged to perfection. This is 50 Plus with Doug Pike. All right, welcome back to 50 Plus. Thank you for listening. Certainly do appreciate it. Thanks to Dr. B for some motivation. Who can't use a little of that, huh? Uh, Acknowledging that a little motivation from other people can go a long way. I don't like to be pushed. I like to be encouraged. I just don't like to be pushed. We'll talk now about hanging around the house for as long as we can, which is what most seniors say they want to do. Most of us would rather stay in our homes to than uh, consider any of the alternatives. The middle ground that can keep us in those surroundings is in-home care. And to talk about that, I'll bring in Jenny Prosperi, a registered nurse and community education coordinator with Harbor Home Health and member of the Consortium on Aging over at UT Health. Thanks a lot. Welcome aboard, Jenny. Hi there. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. So so what makes us seniors so headstrong about staying at home? We just don't like change, do we? <laughs> oh, I wouldn't say that. I um, would. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, who wouldn't want to get care in the comfort of their own home and not have to get out and deal with this Houston traffic, for one? Oh, amen to that. Yeah, and from where I sit, honestly, having somebody cook my meals, make sure I take my meds, somebody to play poker with, watch a game with, that all sounds pretty good, honestly. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. And I can't expect my wife to do that, and um, nor would I expect her to do that. So maybe I'll start some of that in-home care just right away. <laughs> Let, let's talk about what types of services home care services provide. And there's really, I guess, no limit to what these folks will do so long as you, you ask and you don't mind paying for it, right? Sure. There's tons of different things we can do. Um with home health care, we can do just about anything you could do in an office or clinic, um, even hospital setting. So we have nursing care, therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, social workers. Um, we can treat wounds. We can do IVs in the home. We can draw blood. Uh, pretty much, yeah, like you said, it's pretty much limitless what we can do. Just a, it's a, it's a, up to the individual and the individual's needs and the family's um, interest in having somebody in the house a little bit of time, all the time. Maybe you just maybe you just go by there once a week to check on that person and make sure they're still capable of being independent, right? Right. It's very, very individualized based on what that particular person needs, what their doctor, you know, wants to do, what they have going on um, so we can, you know, cater to kind of each individual person. And that can change throughout the course of even that person's treatment. You know, we're constantly reevaluating and looking for, you know, what do they need? What do we need to do? Communicating with their doctor, um, kind of being that bridge of treatment. Yeah. And I guess at some point, Jenny, there's going to be the conversation where, you know, they say, just look, dad's not able to take care of the house anymore. He's not really able to take care of himself and we're doing more even than we probably should he may need to move does that have to happen every now and then oh that is such a common yeah. issue that comes up you know especially as more and more of our population is you know reaching that 65 and over um oftentimes that's not something people think about till they get to that point mm -hmm. and you know that's where a lot of our um, healthcare professionals that you know work in the homes with these patients we you know, kind of have knowledge of these issues and our social workers come on board and they have a big part in kind of assisting with those needs. Yeah, and it's, um, it's something that having those eyes in the house on a regular basis when a lot of family members, we have other jobs. We can't do that. I know when my mom was getting older, I was the only person in town here. I have a sister, but she's up in Abilene, so she can't keep an eye on things. And I couldn't get out there as often as I wanted. And she didn't have in-home care but her friends started telling me hey she's slowing down a little bit and then I got that call she fell and I found out that it was the second time and the first time she told all her friends not to tell me and that's something that a home health care worker if 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 you're taking care of somebody and they fall you're not gonna you're not gonna make that promise not to tell are you you are gonna tell people oh that's so true yeah. and it's you know, such a common thing I've seen so many times. People, you know, our parents, loved ones, they don't want to burden other family members, so they don't always tell us everything that's going mm -hmm. on. Um, and falls especially are the leading cause of injury oh, in gosh, yes. adults 65 and older. And a bad fall, if a hip fracture, I, from what I read, it's usually if, if you're over 65 and you bust a hip, the odds of even making it another year or two go down pretty dramatically, don't they? Absolutely. It definitely has a really a huge toll on your overall mm. health. And, you know, that's a big part of what we do in home health is we want to try to get you better, rehabilitate, and 
keep you as independent as possible, whatever, you know, level that is. Yeah, and, and something that occurs to me is that you're also, if you're not in an assisted living facility, you, you are a little bit more insulated from something like the common cold or a flu that could really be nasty for a senior. Right. That's very true. You know, when we have nurses coming out to visit patients in their homes, we can catch things early. You know, we don't have to wait for a patient to come out of the hospital to see them. We can, you know, go in there and, you know, our registered nurses go and do assessments and, you know, we directly communicate with your doctor, hey, this is going on. We can even order x-rays sometimes in the home oh, wow. or breathing treatments. And, you know, we can kind of treat these things before they become, you know, full-blown pneumonia or such big issues that a patient has to go into the hospital and then there's a rehab stay and, you know, it really becomes a bigger issue than what it maybe has to be. Probably, I don't know, two, three dozen home care companies around Houston and thousands in the country. How do we figure out which one is, is right for us and for our families? <laughs> there is definitely a few out there. Mm -hmm. uh, well, there's, you know, several certifications, um, that you should look for, make sure they're Medicare certified. Um, the Texas Department of Aging and Disability Services, also known as DADS, is another um, certification agency that kind of licenses and surveys, make sure there's quality measures going on. Um, the Joint Commission, uh, one that we are also with, is a nonprofit organization that reviews quality care. Uh, you also have to look at um, you know, if you don't have traditional Medicare, do they take your insurance? So sometimes insurance is kind of uh, a factor as well. And a lot of times if you know other people that have had home health service, you know, they'll recommend certain ones. Hey, I had a good experience. Um, so kind of asking people in your community as well. Yeah, I think that that's a great endorsement there. If you know somebody who had care either for, for or against a particular company, if it's somebody you know and trust, that's a good person to get that information from. Are all right. these, are nothing the, beats word of mouth. <laughs> yeah. Are all the in-home workers screened, background checked and screened by law, or is it company policy from one to the other? Uh, in the state of Texas, it is required by law. So yeah. all of our employees, all home health care, you know, they're going into your home. They have had a background check. Um, you know, I know in my experience, and I know with Harbor, we call references. So there's, you know, we speak to multiple people before we send these people in. We definitely background check. So, you know, these people become part of your family. Yeah, they do. They're in the home so much. So we want to make sure, you know, and the state of Texas, you know, we want to make sure that these people can be trusted. Got to know who's in your house, don't you, Jenny? Ooh, That's you right. Gotta know. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate this. I, I never did get in-home care for my mom. Like I said, she had that bad fall right away. But that's a great, a great transitional phase for any family who's wanting to kind of keep an eye on mom and dad without having to send them somewhere else. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh huh. My pleasure. All right. We're gonna shift gears in just a minute. We're gonna talk high cholesterol with Howie Mandel right after this. Where been there and done that actually means been there, done that. And this is just the beginning. This is 50 Plus with Doug Pike. All right, welcome back to 50 Plus. Thank you for listening, and thanks to my pal Andy Packmore for 
for giving me an excuse to talk about fishing. We'll turn now to, I don't know what really other to describe this man as a legend here. A man we trusted for decades to deliver our evening news. I am quite proud to introduce Dave Ward and welcome him to 50 Plus. Thank you for joining me, Dave. Thank you, Doug. I'm honored to be on your program. Appreciate it. Golly, 60 years as a newscaster? That's almost unbelievable. Do you, do you remember your first day in the business? Oh, boy, how could I forget it? Yeah, <laughs> I really do. When I I started at a radio station in Tyler. Oh, wow. And the, the manager told me, I, you can't go on the air as David. That's too biblical. <laughs> he said, I want you to shorten it to Dave. It's more jaunty. Oh, my God. Doug, I didn't, I didn't even know what jaunty <laughs> yeah, meant. You had to go time, look that up, huh? <laughs> it got me a job on the radio, Good and enough. I made $12.50 a week. <laughs> $12.50 a week? Man, yep. you were living high on the hog back oh, then, boy. huh? Gosh, yeah, it's hard that, to that imagine. Was in the 50s. Yeah, nowadays we're talking about that as a minimum wage per hour. Can you believe yeah, that? Right. So I, I, I have to guess that it's it's really kind of tough almost night after night to have to deliver bad news to people, which you had to do a lot. Which, which of the stories you covered over the years do you feel like was, was kind of tough to share with your audience? Well, of course, I had to cover the assassination of President John F. Oh, Kennedy boy. Yeah. in Dallas. That came one day after he was here. You know, he and, oh, that's right. Yeah, he and the first lady spent their last night on Earth in the mm. Rice Hotel. Oh wow! And covering the space program mm-hmm. has been a, a real highlight of my career. That's a good one. Yeah, that's I was going to go there next. So we were going to jump off of this and go back to the good news. You were front and center to share the news of this country's milestones in space, weren't you? Well, yes, I tried to be. Uh, we, I covered. Every, well, I started with Gemini, the Gemini Titan missions. I was down there for GT three. Wow, uh, the first man launch, mm-hmm. which I was still on radio, and then into television, all through the Gemini program and through the Apollo program, and even in the shuttles. I was there for the first shuttle and the very last. Golly. You, so you, I've you been really, to the mm, gate many times. Yeah, I bet you have. You had. I read in the info that Leslie sent over that you had four of the best from our space program seated at a single table once with you, didn't you? Yes, I did. We did that interview several years ago. Wow. Alan Bean, Jim Lovell, Wally Shira, and uh, oh, Gene Cernan. Holy cow! And it was most interesting. I saw. It. A, a snapshot, a picture, a still picture of that. Yeah. And uh, from above, and it showed the five of us sitting around that table. And I, I thought, it looks like five old guys, white-haired guys, <laughs> talking about what they did when they were kids, you know. Sure, but that's some of the best stories. You know, if we could ever get kids to listen to some of our stories, maybe they'd learn something, wouldn't they, Dave? Well, maybe so. Who Golly. knows? Dave Ward here, author of Good Evening Friends, a broadcaster, shares his life on 50+. plus. You joined Channel 13 in 1966. Talk about some of the changes in in broadcast journalism that, that you witnessed firsthand, both on the technical side and just on the delivery side? Oh, well, it's unbelievable. Well, yeah. when I started there in 66, there were only uh, seven reporters, seven men in the news department. And I don't know. today. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, it was just men then, wasn't it? Yeah, and we, only, we did 15 minutes of news at 6 and 15 minutes at 10, wow. and that was it. Wow. That was it. Now there's what? four and a half, five hours 
of live news programming every mm-hmm. day on Channel 13. It's Is there that much news to share, really, or do they – there are such things as slow news days, aren't there? Oh, boy, yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is repeated from yeah. newscast to newscast. Sure. Uh, but you've always got to be ready for – Whatever breaks, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. You you got to stop and, and change if something really important happens. Hey, uh, I, I cannot go another minute without asking you about Marvin Zindler. What a character, oh. huh? Well, yeah. Marvin was unique. There's <laughs> no doubt about that. Yeah. And if you could imagine, he when I first moved to Houston, he was a, a deputy sheriff. And when I first saw him on, at the scene of a he'd, he'd arrested some fugitive. Sure. And I saw this guy in a suit. There were police officers, sheriff's deputies all around. This guy in a white suit with full facial makeup on his face and a wig on his head. Oh, and it was hot. <laughs> and he was sweating. Was and he that melting? makeup was oh, running God. down his collar. Oh, Lord. And I t- <laughs> turned to a Chronicle <laughs> photographer and said, who in the devil yeah. is that? He said, oh, that's Marvin Zindler. He's the guy who just arrested this Oh, crook. my word. And I thought then, man, if that guy's got a badge and a gun, I, <laughs> I've, I've come to a colorful county. Oh, yes, indeed, well, you it's had. A, it's a long story, but he eventually came to us, became the first consumer reporter anywhere in the United States. Wow. Wow, that was fun to watch, I'm sure. Speaking of fun and colorful, how fun was it to cover the Oilers during Love You Blue? Oh, I loved that. I That yeah. was on radio. But I I thoroughly enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. I really did. For about 11 years, I was on the radio crew with Ron Franklin from Channel 11 on, as the play-by-play. Yeah. And Ron Stone from Channel 2 did the color. And me from Channel 13, I just kept stats. They didn't... Oh, wow. I didn't talk on the air, and then you could hear me groan. But <laughs> <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed those weekends. Oh, man. Let's get back into the newsroom for a second. You got any uh, idea, Dave, how many co-anchors you worked with over the years? Yes. Oh. Uh, Dan Ammerman first. Okay. And then Jan Carson. Yeah. And then Sheriff Fryer. Who we've got over here now on KTRS. Yeah, yes, and then Gina Gaston. Wow, that's right. And, Just those three or four, huh? Yep. Those were them. Wow. What was there it? For quite a while after Dan Ammerman, mm-hmm. I was a solo anchor. Right. I remember those days. Yeah. And uh, uh, it wasn't until oh, several years later that uh, Jan, they, they put Jan Carson on mm-hmm. to co-anchor with me. What was it like in the newsroom, a bunch of crusty old guys, when, when these women showed up and actually knew what they were doing? Look at well, that, you know? True. And like yeah. I said, when I first went to work there, there were five guys, men, mm-hmm. five white men. If I had been a woman or if I had been anyone of color, I wouldn't have, or Hispanic, they wow. wouldn't have let me in the back door. It's just the way it was. Yeah. Then. But now, oh my goodness, we've, I think 13 was the first to hire women, the first to hire minorities, the first to hire uh, Hispanics. Uh, the list goes on and on. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to see that, honestly. I know you Me are too. as well. Me Let's too. talk about something, Dave, that, that a lot of people don't understand about the business you were in and uh, share something that they don't realize. When, when the light goes on, you have to go on, and sometimes you had to work through tough personal situations and look on television as if there was nothing going on at all, didn't you? Well, 
you can't take your personal situation on the air if That's you're right. a news reporter. Right. You're there to inform the people of what's going on. Your opinion and your personal problems, those are your own. You're not to use to express anything on the air other than the facts and the uh, uh, details of your story that you're reporting. Uh, according to Guinness, by the way, you're the world's longest-running local TV anchor. Congratulations on that. Yeah, I'm proud to have you on the show say. here. I'm trying to figure out how to ask this question, and you, you kind of touched on it there. Do you consider today's broadcast and print news to be as fair and unbiased as it was when you were on the air? Well, I'm sorry to say, no, I don't. I, uh, I, I see a lot of opinion thrown in on the air as part of a story. Mm-hmm. when it shouldn't be my um the one that i admired the most i think was walter cronkite of mm-hmm. cbs and from his reporting you would have thought he was probably slightly on the conservative side in real life he was way on the left he was <laughs> a liberal as, as liberal as you can be wow. as a matter of fact i'm i'm rereading his book right now and it's very oh, wow. interesting yeah, that, I think that is how – that's when I went into newspaper, and I was at the Chronicle for, as an outdoors guy, not as a news guy. Uh-huh. But that's that's kind of the way it was when I was there as well. You just – you gave both sides of the story and let the, yep. let the reader or the viewer make their own determination. Exactly. This has been exactly. such a, a thrill for me. Dave Ward, author of Good Evening Friends, a broadcaster, shares his life. The book is available at DaveWardsHouston.com. Is that right? Yes. Very good. Also at Amazon. Oh man! And a few, I, I think some bookstores have it. You played a big role in getting Crime Stoppers started. They got a building name for you down there, don't they? Yes, they do. How about and that, that was the, that's one of the biggest honors I ever had. But when they started, uh, the, the, some exchange club members came to us mm-hmm. and told us they had seen this police officer from Albuquerque, New Mexico, Greg McAleese, mm-hmm. talking about how. He caught a criminal that they'd been looking for, but only after they recreated one of his crimes on television and offered a reward. Dave, oh, I hate to do it. I got to go. That's okay. Dave thank Ward, you, you, you know what the light going out means. Dave yes, Ward, thank I you do. so much. This has thank been 50, you, my friend. Yes, sir. All right, we'll do it again next week. Adios. Okay.